Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. Today we will be discussing Solomon's case of two mothers and one baby in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 16 through 28. We read all of this chapter, chapter 3, in the last episode of Bible News Press. At first glance, this may seem like an odd choice as an example of Solomon's wisdom, but I think it falls into the category of unlikely to be made up. One, because it's not that grand in scope, and two, the people involved are conspicuously unimportant politically. It reminds me of the rule of thumb that embarrassing stories are considered very likely to be true because otherwise people would avoid telling them. It is the last verse, verse 28, which gives one reason why this particular account is related. It was the first one that impressed everyone, and it is presented like it happened soon after his dream. The commentary by David Gusick in the Blue Letter Bible says that there is some dispute as to whether prostitutes is an accurate translation, but the Young's literal translation does also say harlots. And it's interesting that this is the same dispute that is had about whether or not the word describing Rahab in Joshua should be translated prostitute. But I was unable to find out anything more about the original Hebrew word used in this story. But one way or another, it is noteworthy that the two women were the only ones in the house and that no husbands are mentioned. We get a picture of how involved judicially the king himself was. This was made clear for King David when, in 1 Samuel 15, Absalom manipulated the people to seek his decisions instead. Then here with Solomon, we see him hearing the case not only of everyday people, but of women with questionable reputations. And he listens. The one woman presents lots of detail, and then the other presents her own side, and they proceed to argue in front of him until he decides what to do. He states the case back to them and gives the gross decision to cut the baby in half. He obviously expected a true mother to strongly object and was ready for whatever played out. Partly, he was sure of the real mother objecting to the death of the child, or else why would she be in court fighting the to get him back. But I'm still shocked by the response of the other woman. What a wicked, vengeful heart that she would rather see the child die than see the other woman happy with her child. She was jealous of the other woman, and there is the suggestion that it was her own negligence that led to the death of her own child. This is covetousness at its blackest, exposing where jealousy unrestrained leads. And it leads to the death of the innocent. It brings to mind riots and political rhetoric in the last few years, particularly in Minneapolis, the people who burned and destroyed other people's livelihoods and prosperity, thinking that it somehow justified, was justified because of what they didn't have or just using it as an excuse to be violent. I wonder what King Solomon would have done to them. 
In verse 27 in this translation, the World English Bible, and about half of those translations that I read through this section in the Blue Letter Bible list of translations, it is recorded that Solomon said, give her the living child. The other translations add the clarification, the first woman. Even without that, it is clear to me that he intends to give the child to the woman who wants him to live. And all Israel heard the judgment, feared him, and saw that he had the wisdom of God to do justice. But we don't need a judge for these kinds of things if we love one another, if what we want is the best for each other. True, there are some cases where where there is honest disagreement, and it helps to have a moderator. But more often than not, it is someone's selfish dishonesty that leads to judicial disputes. See James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Even here, James lists murder and covetousness in the same phrase. So as much as King Solomon's verdict is a display of wisdom, it was only necessary because of the cold-blooded jealousy of the one woman. I'm thinking that they wouldn't live together anymore after that, if at all possible. This was a case of overt jealousy. Jealousy acted out, but we know these things begin in the heart. Consider Proverbs 6, 12 through 19, and I will read all of Proverbs later, but this section written by Solomon covers a lot of what is going on in this case. Let me read it to you. A worthless person, a man of iniquity, is he who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who motions with his fingers, in whose heart is perverseness, who devises evil continually, who always sows discord. Therefore his calamity will come suddenly, he will be broken suddenly, and that without remedy. There are six things which Yahweh hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him, arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are swift in running to mischief, a false witness who utters lies, and he who sows discord among brothers. And then I'm going to end by reading Proverbs 27, verse 4. Wrath is cruel, and anger is overwhelming, but who is able to stand before jealousy? That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 